Hello, my brothers and sisters in Christ. How are you today? You're listening to the St. Mark Bemidji Podcast, the only podcast that runs on a shoestring budget but manages not to taste like sidewalk gum. If you've been listening for a while, you know I like to say that there's never a bad time to listen to God's Word. But right now is the perfect time as we run through the end of our Lenten season and look forward through Holy Week to Easter Sunday. And before I forget, I'd like to invite you personally to attend one or all of our services. The Monday Thursday service and the Good Friday service are both held at 6.30 p.m. On, the mon- on Thursday and Friday, respectively. And on Easter, we also have services at 7 a.m. if you like to get up early, and 10.30 a.m. I hope you can come to one of those. And if nothing else, come out around 8.30 or 9 a.m. in between those two services on Easter Sunday, and we'll feed you an awesome Easter breakfast. I hope to see you there. Today we have the pleasure of listening to the last Wednesday night meditation from the 2023 Lent season. Pastor Cody Hauck from St. Luke in Grand Rapids, Minnesota, filled in for Pastor Zamzow as they do their pulpit swap as they normally do during every Lent season. Today's sermon is based on Luke chapter 20, verses 9 through 19. He went on to tell the people this parable. A man planted a vineyard rented it to some farmers, and went away for a long time. At harvest time he sent a servant to the tenants so they could give him some of the fruit of the vineyard. But the tenants beat him and sent him away empty-handed. He sent another servant, but that one also they beat and treated shamefully and sent away empty-handed. He sent still a third, and they wounded him and threw him out. Then the owner of the vineyard said, What shall I do? I will send my son whom I love. Perhaps they will respect him. But when the tenants saw him, they talked the matter over. This is the heir, they said. Let's kill him, and the inheritance will be ours. So they threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. What then will the owner of the vineyard do to them? He will come and kill those tenants and give the vineyard to others. When the people heard this, they said, God forbid! Jesus looked directly at them and asked, Then what is the meaning of that which is written? The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Everyone who falls on that stone will be broken to pieces. Anyone on whom it falls will be crushed. The teachers of the law and the chief priests looked for a way to arrest him immediately because they knew he had spoken this parable against them, but they were afraid of the people. And now we join Pastor Hauk for today's sermon. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Fellow believers who are Stones built into the church of Christ. It's like walking on eggshells. Whether it's having, being a parent and having to have that serious conversation with a rebellious teenager. Or maybe you're the spouse who has to call a ceasefire before the marriage falls apart. Or maybe you're the manager of a business who has to mediate a dispute at a business. But what you realize is the situation is tense. Every word that you use has to be chosen carefully. It has to be rehearsed ahead of time. It has to be prayed over. We know it's 
delicate business and we don't want to make it worse. But how could that happen? Because instead of taking words and actions in the kindest possible way, our sinful human nature will take words in the worst possible way. Too often we practice selective listening or defensive listening, which is really not listening at all. Instead, we're just trying to wait for the words that we can seize to twist the argument in our favor. I don't think any of us enjoys being put into a situation like that, where we realize that anything we say may be hurled back right at us. And such situations are physically and emotionally exhausting and, dare I admit, spiritually draining. Perhaps, maybe that's why as some of us age, we learn to pick battles wisely. And when we are convinced that we absolutely, positively have to get involved and say something, we allow the old adage to guide us, the less said, the better. But when we think of all of that, it makes me marvel all the more at Jesus just the days before He would take His final steps to the cross. He didn't hide away from the crowds knowing what was coming. He didn't shy away from the confrontation. He wasn't guided by the less said, the better. Instead, the Gospels are filled with chapter after chapter of what our Savior said in His final days to the large, large crowds that had gathered around Him in the temple courts of Jerusalem. And much of what Jesus said, it was targeted squarely at the chief priests, the experts of the law, and the elders. It's amazing that Jesus... And it's comforting that Jesus' final steps led right to his, his enemies. And so whenever we read a portion of Scripture, it's always wise to check the context. It's crucial for us to know the target audience for what we are studying this evening. Jesus' parable of the wicked tenants. Because the target is identified at the beginning of the same chapter. We're told one day as Jesus was teaching the people in the temple courts and preaching the good news, the chief priests and the experts in the law came to him with the elders. And they asked, tell us by what authority you are doing these things or who is the one who gave you authority. And the religious leaders, as always, were trying to bait a trap. They were trying to tighten the noose around Jesus because they already knew the answer. Because throughout Jesus' ministry, in those very same temple courts, our Savior had made it crystal clear that His authority came from God the Father because He was God the Son. So the question was nothing but a trap. Jesus knew it. And that's why He answered their question with another question. Asking them, well, where did John the Baptist get his authority? Knowing that they couldn't answer that one. And so then he continued with his parable, the parable before us tonight, a parable, an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And by the time he finished this parable, his enemies, the religious leaders, 
knew that Jesus had answered their question perfectly. Let's read those words from Luke's Gospel, chapter 20. You'll find them on page 4 of your worship folder. He went on to tell the people this parable. A man planted a vineyard. He rented it to some farmers and went away for a long time. At harvest time, he sent a servant to the tenants so they would give him some of the fruit of the vineyard. But the tenants beat him and sent him away empty-handed. He then sent another servant. But that one also they beat, treated shamefully, and sent away empty-handed. He sent still a third, and they wounded him and threw him out. Then the owner of the vineyard said, What shall I do? I will send my son whom I love. Perhaps they will respect him. But when the tenants saw him, they talked the matter over. This is the heir, they said. Let's kill him. The inheritance will become ours. So they threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. What then will the owner of the vineyard do to them? He will come and kill those tenants and give the vineyard to others. When the people heard this, they said, God forbid. And Jesus looked directly at them and asked, Then what is the meaning of that which is written? The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Everyone who falls on that stone will be broken to pieces. Anyone on whom it falls will be crushed. The teachers of the law, the chief priests, looked for a way to arrest him immediately because they knew he had spoken this parable against them. But they were afraid of the people. So Jesus' parable, as always when he's teaching the people, he ripped right from the headlines from things, ordinary things people in that day would, would understand clearly. And so the upper, you think of the landscape of Israel, the upper Jordan Valley and the, all around the northern western shores of the Sea of Galilee and a lot of the portion of Galilee at Jesus' time was, was these vast estates that were owned by, by people from faraway countries. So rich men who could come buy land and then, then they would rent it out to their tenants. And so then their farms and their vineyards, it was run by these tenant farmers. And they, the owners were happy as long as a steady revenue stream was coming in. Often it was kind of set aside how much was supposed to be coming, set it up in a contract. And as long as he got that amount, he was satisfied. Often the tenant farmers become rich because they could, without the seeing eyes of the farmer, they could kind of take from the top or make sure they were getting the extra as long as the agreed amount in the contract went to the, the owner. So all Jesus' listeners, including the leaders of, uh, leaders of Israel, they knew how well this, this system worked and how much abuse there was in it. But Jesus takes this parable to a whole new level. Because in his parable, when the owner commissioned a servant to go collect the percentage specified in the contract, what happens? Servant one is beaten, sent away empty-handed. Probably not in the contract. Servant two, same thing. Servant three, even worse. We're told they wounded him, literally traumatized him, and threw him out. Tenant farmers sound like a drug-dealing cartel protecting their cocaine fields from a raid. But what happens next? I mean, first we're astounded at the patience of the owner who says, what should I do? I will send my son whom I love. Perhaps they will respect him. 
But when the tenant farmers saw him, they talked it over with one another. They said, this is the heir, let's kill him so the inheritance will be ours. So they, so they threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. First we see the amazing grace and love of the Father who patiently deals with this and the, the love that makes no sense that would send his son to these people who have rejected everyone else. Then we have to understand why would the tenants, the servants of the, the vineyard think it's a good idea to kill the son? Well, according to the laws of that day, under certain conditions, if the owner died leaving no heir, whoever claimed the estate, especially the current occupants, was allowed to have it. But why would they kill the son? Why would the owner then give them the inheritance? Well, maybe in their, their thought, the owner must have died. That's why the son's coming. So if we kill the son, no one's left the vineyard's ours. But what a tragic final mistake. Jesus quickly wraps up his brief parable with a final question. What will the owner of the vineyard do to them? He will come and destroy those tenant farmers and give the vineyard to others. When he finished his story, you can just feel the air being sucked out of the temple until finally that collective gasp when they said, God forbid, or may it never be. The crowds got it. They knew Jesus was talking about their nation of Israel. In part, they knew because Jesus, the master teacher, had ripped a page right from their own scriptures, one they knew too well the basis of the story can be found in Isaiah chapter 5. Verse 7 says, Yes, the vineyard of the Lord of armies is the house of Israel, and the men of Judah are the planting that was pleasing to him. He expected justice, but instead there was oppression. He expected righteousness, but yet there was an outcry. Then verse 25, Therefore the Lord's anger burns against his people. He has stretched out his hand against them and has struck them. The mountains tremble, their dead bodies will lie like garbage in the middle of the streets. People knew that they were the vineyard in Jesus' story. And the servants who were beaten are even worse, God's prophets, men like Elijah, Jeremiah, John the Baptist, the forerunner of the Lord who was beheaded for his efforts. Time and time again, God's prophets were rejected all so that the owner of the universe could send his beloved son to this earth, the son who made sure that his final steps led right to his enemies, even though he knew full well they would reject him and kill him too. The minute Jesus finished this parable, the crowds got it, the religious leaders, they got it. For we're told that very hour, the chief priests, the experts in law, began looking for a way to lay hands on him because they knew he had spoken this parable against them. They were afraid of the people. The noose was tightened. His final steps led to his enemies because those enemies included the Jewish leaders and Jesus was going to die on the center cross on Calvary Hill just a few days later. With all of that about the parable, we get a good history lesson. But what does this mean for you and me? That's where Jesus continues after the parable, with more words, we can see the direct ap application even to us today. Because when we think of Jesus' enemies, the enemies also include you and me. So with that, those words of the crowd, God forbid, may it never be, Jesus sees the moment 
and shared the words that we need to hear today, then what about this that is written? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Everyone who falls on that stone will be broken to pieces and will crush the one on whom it falls. He quotes right from the psalm, the very words we, we sang in Psalm 118. It's the famous cornerstone prophecy. What exactly is a, is a cornerstone? Back then, a cornerstone is a, was a far cry from the little plaques that we hang on walls or engraved slabs that we cement into walls. In Jesus' day, the cornerstone was the very first stone laid and it determined the exact orientation the building would have. Cornerstone bore the weight and the stress of two walls. The cornerstone failed, the building fell. Get back to the verse. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Jesus is that cornerstone. Everyone in the temple courts that Tuesday who heard Jesus' parable, his warning, his use of the psalm verse understood that including the Jewish leaders who detested Jesus and wanted him out of the way, partly because the crowds are following him instead of them, even more so because Jesus preached the Lord's good news, the gracious forgiveness of sins, and not the fake forgiveness that the high priest peddled, forgiveness that could be bought and sold by the merchants and the money changers who would set up in the temple. So that's why just two days two days later, the same Jewish leaders grew bold enough to send their thugs to grab Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, and the next 24 hours after that, they made sure he was hung on a tree. Their rejection of the cornerstone would become complete. But that didn't end up hurting the cornerstone. Instead, it crushed them. That's what Jesus was getting at when he paraphrased a common Jewish proverb of his day. The proverb went like this. If a stone falls on a pot, woe to the pot. If a pot falls on a stone, Woe to the pot. Either way, woe to the pot. May it never be. God forbid that anyone rejects Jesus, the cornerstone, because then God's righteous judgment will fall on them. And so will it be for anyone who remains an enemy of our Lord. And that could also be you and me, because that's what we once were as members of the human race. The Apostle Paul warned, the mindset of the sinful flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law. In fact, it cannot. Those who are in the sinful flesh cannot please God. It's all the more reason to treasure the good news Jesus came not only to preach, but to make a reality for all of his enemies. The entire human race lost to sin. Jesus took those final steps to the cross. For all his enemies, including you and me, Jesus suffered and bled on Good Friday's cross. For all of his enemies, including you and me, he finished his work to wash away every, every last one of our sins in his blood. That includes all those little nitpickety sins that we're struggling with right now, especially those sins that we're struggling with as we're walking on eggshells, when every word is measured and tried in the court of public appeal, sometimes via social media, when every action is watched like a hawk and swiftly judged, and when the stress, at least for some, can be withering. For times like these, and sinners like you and me, 
Jesus' final steps led to his enemies. Those steps led to you and me, sinners, so that through his sacrifice and by his grace, he could lead us all through this life, so filled with pain and danger, until at last he will lead us on our final steps home to heaven. Jesus is the rock that grounds all of us right now. That's why our Lord took all of his final steps so that he could become the cornerstone of God's church, your cornerstone, my cornerstone by faith. It's the very cornerstone that the Apostle Paul talked about when he wrote, You have been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In Him you are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Amen. We hope that today's meditation on God's Word has enriched you. Divine services are held right here in Bemidji, Minnesota at 8 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Sunday school and adult Bible study is also offered between our Sunday services at 9.15 a.m. Our church services are live-streamed at 8 a.m. on Sunday mornings and are available afterwards on our channel, St. Mark Lutheran Church Bemidji. If you're listening or watching this podcast, you are cordially invited to join us in person next week and every week. This is our fourth year producing this podcast, and there is a large archive of devotional material online available if you want to learn more about God and His Word. Visit www.stmarkbemidji.org or look in the show notes in this podcast for a link to this and many other meditations on God. You can also search for St. Mark Bemidji on YouTube to find our channel. If you have any questions or you would like more information about our church and its ministry, please visit our website, which is once again www.stmarkbemidji.org. All scripture readings are taken from the Holy Bible, New International Version, copyright 2011, and are used by permission from Zondervan. Meditation's daily devotional is published by Northwestern Publishing House and is also used by permission. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider subscribing and telling a friend. May God bless the rest of your day. salvation free lasting to eternity